Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, March the 1st. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness as you continue moving through these 40 days of Lent. My friends, we have wonderful readings, readings that that you're going to know well. Uh, I, I guarantee you both of these. Uh, and they carry with them themselves uh, incredible power. I want to get right to them for a couple of reasons. One, I want us just to sit with them. But secondly, because they're longer. And I don't want to use the shortened version of either. Uh, I think that, that cuts and undermines some of the power that they carry. Uh, and so I, I want to do that. Um, for those who like to follow along, though, we're going to read out of Exodus chapter 20. That should give you an idea right away where we're going. Exodus chapter 20, that's the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, verses 1 to 17. So that's uh, a bit of a longer one. You can already hear that. And then we're going to go to John. Uh, John, again, we sprinkle in John in year B. Mark's is the shortest gospel, so you, we hear John sprinkled in every now and then. Well, this is one of those weeks. And we're going to read out of John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. Again, a very familiar story. We'll get there when we get there, though. Uh, and there's things to say about both these. I hope not to talk too long. I, I want to keep this at a reasonable amount for you. But again, what I invite most of all, however it is you prepare yourselves when you hear the Word of God to open yourself somehow so you know that that, that Spirit of God can find a place uh, of rest, of life, of sanctity, a, a, a place to burrow down deep within us so that this Word becomes our own and it becomes us. Uh, I invite you to prepare yourself at this time and open yourself for receiving this word well, okay? So, my friends, let's break open God's word. A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods beside me, You shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above or on earth below or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, inflicting punishment for their father's wickedness on the children of those who hate me, down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. No work may be done... No work may be done then either by you or by your son or daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day God rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
Honor your father and mother, that you may have a long life in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female slave, nor his ox or ass, nor anything else that belongs to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And again, brothers and sisters, if there was something you heard anew, if there was something that captured you within what we just heard, invite you to sit with that. Let the Word of God, let the Spirit of God speak well to you uh, through the Word that we just heard. And so a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all, and he did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, these are powerful, right? And again, let the Word carry the strength of, of uh, whatever this podcast is going to be about today. Um, that always is the case, but when we get particularly strong readings like this, in both of them, um, boy, each one could just, we could be talking about for a long, long time because there's so much there because I want to move us through. I'm going to focus on a couple of things. Um, two things in the first reading, one in the gospel. I think that's what I'm going to do. So in the first reading, we heard the Ten Commandments. My guess is, had I, even before we started opening this, this up and said, hey, listen, recite for me the Ten Commandments, I think many of us could have gotten, you know, a, a, if not 10, we could have gotten pretty close, right? We might have gotten a good six, seven, eight, you know, right in that ballpark. We'd have, we'd have, we'd have nailed a lot of them, right? 
Um, and, and so we, we have a general idea, and, and my guess is we also, in knowing them, have set our lives well about them and, and around them and, and uh, incorporated them into our daily actions and how we encounter others, okay? What I want to point out to us is a couple of things, though, that we may not have uh, really paid much attention to. Now, the first is, and, and this is really just an aside, it's a little historical thing. Um, if you ask one of your Protestant friends and said, hey, recite the Ten Commandments, did you know they'll recite them differently than, than we Catholics may? <laughs> it's interesting. We'll recite the same things, but in a different way. So Catholics will take the first commandment and uh, incorporate within it that section about the idols, that we shouldn't make craven images, we should not create idols. That's all part of the first commandment for Catholics. And then the second is we shall not take the the name of the Lord uh, our God in vain. Whereas our Protestant brothers and sisters, if you are a Protestant brother or sister listening to this, you know well already what I'm going to say, that the first commandment is that one about uh, uh, keeping holy God's name, right? And then the second one is we shall not make uh, idols of God, craven images of God. And then the third is we shall not take God's name in vain. So then, of course, I know all of you are thinking, what on earth, Joe? Well, do, do our Protestant brothers and sisters have 11 and we have 10? No, no. The Protestant brothers and sisters, on, a, on the backside, when, uh, when we do the you shall not covet your neighbor's uh, house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, we Catholics put that into two. We shall not covet our neighbor's goods, you know, and we shall not covet our neighbor's wife. Those are two separate commandments, whereas our Protestant brothers and sisters combine those into one, which makes perfect sense. You know, they're talking about coveting, uh, ultimately. Um, and, and, but, but it also makes sense that the Catholics bring in uh, don't make idols to anyone other than God because there's only one God. So, and listen, however you spin it out, <laughs> they're saying the same thing. That's just a little historical aside. Um, but here's my point where I was going to is especially for those of you who like not just to, to listen to it but to follow along and read it, it jumps off the page at you. Uh, here's homework. Go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17, and just look at it. Read it. Why do I say that? Because, brothers and sisters, when you look at the commandments, the first commandment takes five verses to talk about. The second commandment takes one. The third commandment, the Sabbath, takes four verses to talk about. The rest of them only take one each. Now, does that mean that, um, I, I don't know, I, don't, I, I guess what I'm saying, does it mean, I, I, I think of them all as equally important. You know, there's 10, you keep all 10. And therefore, you know, um, not stealing, not, not bearing false witness is, is of the same level as keeping Sabbath or or. Um, keeping God's name in essence holy, right? And in one sense, I think that's true. I think they are all equal. We've got to live within all of them. But if we see them written down, I think it gives us pause anyway to say, 
are some more equal than others, to use George Orwell's thought and term, right? I would say this, and, and I will stake my reputation on this, that the first is the center of all of them. Uh, to use the, the term others have said, if we get the first right, the, others, the other will, nine will fall into place. And here, O Israel, right? It's, it's the very center of Judaism. As I've said before, it's the Shema. It is that which they, they keep on, on the lintels of their, of their doorways, that which they kiss as they enter. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That what we say it here, I am the Lord your God, and I love this. I love it. And there's more to be said about it, and I won't say it today. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery right? Whatever it is that, that enslaves us even now, <clears throat> which by the way, brothers and sisters, is just about everything around us. That which we give ourselves to, which is not God, will eventually enslave us. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods beside me. If we get that right, everything else falls into place. Because why would we want to kill anyone because we've made some false god that, that is important to us, that even the very act of we need to kill someone, maybe it's not physically, but with our words or with how I'm treating them or how I'm speaking about them behind their back or whatever, because some other god has taken the place of our god, and I need to do that. Why would I steal from someone? Why would I bear false witness? Why would I covet? Because I've created a false god. Brothers and sisters, you know... Jesus, is, he does things, of course, purposefully, right? Um, and when the disciples in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, say, hey, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, and he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. You know the, the, the prayer. But Jesus puts first things first. The very center of that prayer is our Father, who art in heaven, may your name, your essence, your life be kept that which is sacred within our, our lives. May we revolve around you. Now, that doesn't mean, brothers and sisters, we walk throughout this life every moment thinking, God, okay, I got to pray to God. I got to, you know, make sure God is, is holy in my mind. I mean, ultimately, of course, but, but prayer is not necessarily a mind full activity. It is, a, it is an essence. It's, it's a way of life. It's a way of being within the world. It's a way of bringing love and life to, to not only those around us, to our relationship with God, but to our very self that, that allows us to be who we were meant to be. It, it, to use Jesus' imagery in Luke chapter 4, when he comes out of the, the desert and he knows what his mission is, it's bringing uh, liberty to captives right? Glad tidings to the poor, sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free. Anytime we do that, brothers and sisters, we are keeping the name of the Lord holy. We are honoring the first commandment. We are not allowing other gods before us because we are inviting the kingdom life to be that which we are about. Brothers and sisters, all we need to do is look at the life of Jesus. What was Jesus about? How did he act? How did he treat people? 
How did he invite others forward and to be who they were and to set them free? Anytime we live within that space, we are honoring God. We are saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of that place of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall know other gods before me. We're saying there is nothing other than this kingdom life of which we are, are to be about. And we are, are participating in that life. Anytime we let our hearts, brothers and sisters, be set upon anything else, even good things. And, and listen, of course we do. I, I'm not saying we can't go through life and say, boy, that cinnamon roll was really good. And I look forward to having another one. Or boy, I really enjoyed that experience with this friend of mine. And I look forward to being part of that again. Those are good things and those are fine. But when we set our hearts and those things, however good they are, become more important than the kingdom of God, meaning that, that, that participation in that life that brings forth life, if it saps life from ourselves or others or our relationship with God, we need to call it into question. Anytime we set our hearts on things and invite them to be more important somehow than that essence of, of the life of God, we have stepped outside of the first commandment. And it is that which our God invites us and our lives and our days and our hours and our minutes and our moments to revolve around. The other thing I'll say is this, and, and I just want to say it briefly. I know Marty had 18 minutes. The Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, I think if we would have gone through here and said, listen, okay, you got to pick one commandment that you can kind of set aside, you know, that, that it's really okay, you know. Uh, if you push came to shove, you, you had to keep nine of the ten. You know, no, I know it's a foolish exercise. But if we had to, in, in strong army, you got to pick. I think many of us would have said, ah, oh, the Sabbath. That's, that's one. Because why? We break it all the time. We break it all the time. But yet, if we look in Exodus... And there's four verses saying this is important. I mean, then maybe we need to rethink that. Of, that the Sabbath is something that is more than just, okay, go to Mass on Sunday. I've kept the Sabbath. I think it's more. I think the very, the, the Sabbath, aside from the first commandment that, that kept the Jewish people together, and, and, and bonded them and gave them identity, I think the second thing would have been their, their commitment to Sabbath. And yet I think within our Christian uh, walk, I think we have set that aside to our own peril. Um, and that's, that is absolutely unfortunate. Sabbath, brothers and sisters, invites us into not just a day of leisure and a day without work, but it invites us to remember that um, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves is more important than accomplishment. It is more important than any task or list, to-do list that I need to get done. That, that idea of recreating, or even more so, that I won't even say more so, I said another way, that... Um, God is enough. That this world can live without me and my thoughts and my wisdom, quote-unquote, 
and my opinions and my energy and my accomplishments and what I can add to the group or what I can add to this project or whatever it is, that the world's going to be okay without those for 24 hours. In a sense, it, it foreshadows death. That you know what, brothers and sisters? The world is going to be okay without us too. It invites us, in a sense, every week to take ourselves out of the center because we, put our, we love to put ourselves back in the center. Our opinions and our ideas and our essence and what would this family be? What would this community be? What would this church be? What would this workplace be without me? Well, you know what? Once every seven days, we get to ask that question. And we'll get to see, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. That you know what? That God is enough. That God is enough. And do we allow ourselves into that place of Sabbath that reminds us, God is God and we are not. And we can step aside from everything else and that this world, this family, God's creation will be okay if I take myself out of it and just allow myself to be recreated for this moment. Jesus did. Listen, if Jesus can, we can too, right? All right, my gosh, I've gone so, so long. But again, so much goodness here. Here's the other thing I'll say. And we'll just go real briefly to the gospel, which deserves far more. Why was Jesus so upset when he went into the temple? This place that ultimately um, embodies, in a sense, this notion of God being the center of who we are. The temple was, in a sense, that first commandment around which Jerusalem, uh, it was the very center and heart of not only of Judaism, but of Jerusalem itself, right? And so, and, and, and so in, in, a, in a very real way, they created a structure to look like that. Now, Jesus is going to oppose, in a sense, not the structure. He's, Jesus is not, not anti-religion. I want to make sure that we understand that. Jesus rooted himself within not only the religion of Judaism, he went to synagogue, he went to temple, okay? So this whole, you know, I'm re- spiritual but not religious thing. Yeah, yes, religion needs to contain a spirituality. But Jesus himself later in this reading will say, listen, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up because he's, he's alluding to the fact that this temple resides within us. The very presence of God walks around within our hearts. And if we don't get it there, we're going to get it two chapters later when he's talking to the woman at the well, right? When he says the, 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 the day will come when, when we will worship neither God on this mountain nor in Jerusalem but in spirit and in truth, meaning we will carry that up. But that doesn't mean that the temple's not important. And, and his very actions show the importance of it. Here's, here's, effectively, he walks in to the temple area, and he's seeing the buying and selling of God, right? He's seeing um, this whole idea where, where Isaiah, uh, and we hear this every Easter vigil, right? Isaiah 55, all you who are thirsty, Come to the water, meaning all we who thirst for God, who thirst for God's life, who thirst for God's forgiveness, who thirst for God's grace. All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, don't worry about it. Come, buy grain and eat. Come without money, without cost, whatever. Come and, 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 and take it all in. God's love and life and mercy and, and forgiveness, God's essence is beyond money. It is not there. It is free. It is freely given. And the Jewish people in this 
I'll say the Jewish powers have created a system of sacrifice where they're selling doves or, or, or lambs or bulls that, that one buys for the forgiveness of God. And Jesus is upending that and saying, that's not it. You have created um, ga- gates, doors, walls in front of God. And, and, and only those who have the right amount of money can get through that maze to God. And he's saying that is ultimately not it. What is the difference? I'm seeing no difference, he's saying, between what I'm seeing in the marketplace outside of the temple as to coming in and seeing a marketplace in here. You are the same. It is about power. It is about profit. You know, because the money changes, of course, we're, we're, we're cheating people as well. And he's saying we have to be different. God is free, and, and God will not be contained by our laws, by our understanding, by our money. God is free. Get rid of all this stuff. And we need to not imitate the marketplace we see out there. We need to be different. Brothers and sisters, and this is the last thing I'll say, what, what walls do we put up in front of God? Oh, and, and if you say, no, I don't put any, of course we do. I'm not worthy. God can't ask me to follow because of A, B, C, and D that I've done in life. Wall, 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 and wall. Right? Stop. Stop putting, stop putting walls. God is free. God cannot be contained. Allow God not even to be contained by what images you and I have within our minds that God must be this, and therefore I'm going to keep him in this box. Trust me, God is bigger than that box you and I have created. God is free. And Jesus enters into the boxes of our minds and, and breaks open the walls and says, why, why are you doing that? Let God be bigger. Let ourselves continue to be surprised by God. God is free. Let us allow God to be so. There's so much more we could talk about. But you know what? Now's not the time. Let the Spirit of God work within you on what you heard here today. Thanks for being with me, and I know it's longer, but let's take all this to prayer. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third sorrowful mystery, the crowning of thorns. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Thanks for being with me as we break open this word. May your days, your week, be filled with every good joy. Be well, and God's peace.